When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Heroes of the Horn is brought to you by Kyena Sedai. The three were on their feet atop the pedestal, and he could not tell which shrieked which answer. To marry the daughter of the nine moons. To die and live again and live once more a part of what was. To give up half the light of the world to save the world. Together they howled like steam escaping under pressure. Go to Rudion, son of battles. Go to Rudion, trickster. Go, gambler. Go. Welcome to Heroes of the Horn, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am Sir Matt. And I am Sir Ezra. Welcome to our Wheel of Time book club. The horn has sounded, and we have answered the call. Today we are covering The Shadow Rising Part 3, chapters 11 through 20. And in our village council, we will be discussing Angrial, Saw Angrial, and Tyr Angrial. And as we have a new little teaser to yeah. discuss today. Big time. So there yeah, uh Watt on Prime, which is the Wheel of Time Twitter, um, about a month ago was when we got uh that audio file. Um and they said then they they tweeted again the other day and said everybody stay tuned for Wednesday. And um we now have the blade. The blade man. I was um it was awesome. It was really cool to see, you know, it was really, really cool to see what that, that, you know, object was going to look like. It's such an important part to the first, uh, you know, quarter of this series. And so it's, it's, it's Rand's sword. It's Tam's sword, right? Rand, Rand mm-hmm. will, will take it. And it's such a wonder. Um, you, we wonder for quite some time, how did Tam get a sword like this, a power rot sword, a heron marked blade? You know, they only give those to blade masters. What? Well, is Tam a blade master? Is he a blade master? I don't know, right? Um, that's the question. That's the question. But yeah, no, it was really cool um, that they kind of similar to what they did with the Wine Spring in. They zoomed in on the text, right, um, right in the book, um, kind of highlighted, bolded in black the words that describe the sword, and then you know pull back, and then boom, we see the sword, and we see them kind of you know, going through and making it and, and, and working on it, like the, you know, concept art, the whole thing, just a little kind of graphic they put together with some music that was behind there. I, I heard, uh, I think Rafe answered one of the questions um, about that music and said it not, it's not necessarily music we're going to hear in the series. Uh, it was just something to kind of 
you know, it was really just promotional, but at the same time, it was cool. I mean, it sounded cool. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. And this was cool. And it does look like the sword that we did see um, in some of those leaked set photos. And people are saying, is that the Heronmark blade? Is it? Um, And I think, you know, that sword had a scabbard on it. So it, it is hard to say that that is exactly the one, but it is certainly in the same style now that we've actually seen the blade. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 it's, it's pretty cool. I, well, I guess I have to, since we're talking about it, I'm, I'll go ahead and say it. One of the questions I think that Rafe got later, and we're going to talk about all of them, we're going to read those in a, in, a, in a separate thing here, but um, he talked about the swords, all of these swords and things that were power wrought, things that were made with the power. Would they all look similar? It, like, does every blade master have the same type of sword? And um, the answer is no. He, he, he made sure that they each were individualized and they're from, you know, specific region, depending on who, who is the blade master that holds the sword. So, I mean, he was given some pretty, pretty cool details. So we're going to talk about that in a second. But, I mean, you know, it was epic, right? I mean, I, did, did, did you talk to your brother any about this, the, the sword or <clears throat> see what he... No, no, not yet. I uh, bet he freaking loved it. I bet he, he did. You know, we, we, did, we did do a Patreon uh, episode with him yeah. um, as well. So, so certainly check that out. Um, but no, yeah, I haven't, haven't talked to anybody else uh, about, about, about seeing the sword, but it's cool. And, and it's a short little 30 second teaser, um, especially with production being halted until April. I'm sure that we will get maybe once a month is seems like maybe the, the pace they're going to go on. So who knows what we're going to yeah. get next? Um, I think maybe my prediction of us getting some sort of Super Bowl package like it's part of a like an amazon prime super bowl commercial i don't know i don't know if we're gonna get that anymore or not since uh some of it was kind of halted due to covid um in the czech republic they can't film there anymore so until april uh, yeah. seems to be the seems to be the case maybe something tiny i, I like i like you know a th- like five seconds or something but we'll see yeah yeah yeah, I'm I'm all I'm all for it. Anything that they want to give us, I'm I'm here for. And I think it's uh, I think it's really cool. It's just neat, you know. When when we cover, well, we're going to talk here in a sec about how many hours and how many things went, you know, how much time and effort went into just the design of this sword. And so it's pretty cool. Like the magnitude of this series is is huge. They're putting a lot mm-hmm. of uh, money, time, effort into this, and and they're pouring themselves into it. These are fans of the series as well. And, and they're in there just, um, they're looking at the book. They're using it for reference. I mean, they're, they're really trying to make this authentic and feel like Robert Jordan's Wheel, you know, Wheel of Time series. And I, I, I love that. I just think people are going to be, because it's such a good series. There's so many pros to it that I, I, I want other people to experience it. And I want them to see this show and be like, wow, is there more? Let me go to the books and, and then you know kind of go from there. So it was cool. I hope we get like another object, whether it's... Um, you know, I don't know what they would want to do if it's something that Moraine is wearing or if it's something, even just some of the costumes or outfits or I don't really know what the object would be. That'd be a great question for people if you're, uh, you know, or just if you want to leave a comment or s- send us um, a pigeon, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Horn of Valera at gmail.com. Let us know what what else, what, what might we want to see, I guess, uh, some behind the scenes, some object that they're working on. I thought the blade was, I didn't think they would do that. I, I, I was it's definitely not what I was expecting. I was, um, you know, last time we got the little audio clip, I thought maybe we'd get another one. Um, and it would, you know, it was the audio clip with just some sort of like, you know, computerized um, digital, you know, a, a 
visual of the Aes Sedai, you know, symbol. So I thought it'd be something like that. So I didn't know that they'd actually show us um, something like that. So who knows what next month is going to be? I think it's going to be something again, very small. I mean, obviously the Heronmark blade isn't small in the in the, in the terms of, yeah. of the story and its importance, <clears throat> but it's not going to be a scene. It's not going to be, you know, it's going to be like a set photo, right? Here's an here's sure. an object that we will have, you know, going forward, right? Yeah. Yeah, which which is cool. I I don't think we need to go. It, it, it's I I would like to see like what's almost better is to see that sword in you know Tam or or Rand's hand you know hand uh, right. and and to see them using it like to, to see that first. I mean I don't know like I'm still glad we got to see the blade, but I I totally get the idea that we would want to see all of this in a trailer. But I just think it's different. They can't do maybe what they typically would have done in, in promotional material because you still want to build hype for this. You want to get more and more people searching it and interest is that way you get a, a nice big push when it comes out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty awesome. I, w- I will take it. I will take whatever they want to give us and I hope we see some more behind the scenes concept art or whatever. So Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, all right, as let's head over to... Uh, well, actually, we have some... Uh, Rafe Jutkin's comments to get to. So he has he has answered um, ten questions uh, about the show. He the, he did this last month as well, um, and so we have a, a hand a handful of questions here that he's he is going to answer about kind of production. Yeah, this is pretty cool. So uh, Rafe Jutkin's answers tweets about the making of the Wheel of Time, and this is to kind of celebrate the re- the release of the first look at the Heron Mark Blade. Um, so he's answering these questions. Basically, it was first come, first serve, first 10 uh, people to tweet in their question in the next 30 minutes about production design on the show in general and how we're approaching it. He would reply to those, uh, which, which is pretty cool. So let me see if I got there. I mean, they've, they've kind of, um, I think, laid these out here for us. So let's look at this. Uh, you've got uh, Mike, who, who has got in there with the first, looks like first question. What weapons... And their in, in and their individ, individualistic characteristics are integral to particular characters, especially with Matt, Rand, and Perrin. Will the show give a similar focus, or will the weapons mostly be just there? Uh, his response to that was, uh, "You cannot even imagine the number of hours that go into each person's weapon." Um, I was in at least twenty meetings about the dagger that Egwene has, and that's not even a major weapon in the books. Uh, there's a whole team of people. We have a big book. Uh, we have big, a few big book fans on the props team, and that's what I thought was amazing, right? That these, you've got fans who are fans of the books, and they're in there working on the props. That is huge. You want that because they're paying attention to those details. Um, sometimes when you read this the series initially, it's hard to. Like, like people's visuals are a little bit different and you have to go back and really focus in on some of those, those, uh, minor details, the, the de- descriptions, you know? So I was like, that's, that's awesome. That's a lot. That's 20 meetings on a dagger, man. Right. You know? That's not even that big of a, that's, that's a big of a thing, but it does is her character and design and things like that. Um, got one here from Nakomi. It looks like. Um, have you filmed any of the production design, uh, manufacturing of props, et cetera, for behind the scenes program? I have to say, I really hope so. 
Uh, Rafe had said, of course, an amazing team has been picked up as, as much as they can of the process so that after the show aired, you can see all of the work and love that went into creating these details, large and small. So maybe we get some sort of, um, you know, like with the Mandalorian, we have the Disney gallery, um, which would be really cool where they can talk about this. Like, and so we can get some of that, like, oh, what's it going to look like going forward? Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be really cool. That, I, w- I would love to see that afterwards for sure. We don't want to see anything ahead of time, but but afterwards, I love seeing that type of stuff. Some people do, some people don't, but I, I think it's cool that they're doing it because it's there if you want it. Uh, and if not, that's fine. Um, all right, so we got, uh, let's see, one here from Kevin. Uh, how are the sword forms going to be presented? Is the style going to be pulled from a specific region of sword fighting, or are they going to be spread out over many regions? Um, and Rafe answered that with, uh, we have a fight time and sword master on the show who has built a fighting style unique to each weapon and culture. So if you see a Borderlander fight with a Heron Mark blade, it might feel different uh, than a Sean Chen. That's merely hypothetical, of course, with a wink. Uh, so, so that's neat because yeah, you have the forms, right? You're going through the forms. We, we get that uh, perspective from Lan teaching Rand, but are there different things? You know what I mean? Uh, like uh, are there, are there similarities, but yet, slightly different stances or or ways in which you approach um the fight i think that it's got to be that way different regions doing different things especially when the shanchen come over and they're very much removed you know from from this region so yeah uh well you got another one here uh, uh from mezo um saying since we are on the topic of swords what are some of the inspirations for armor design is there quite a bit of variation between the Andoran and the Shinaran armor? He says, uh, Rafe says, yes, of um, our costume team led by the amazing uh, Is- Isis uh, Masud- Masudadin, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, started by building a map of the entire Wheel of Time world, carving out what each nation, nation slash culture looked like to make sure they're differentiated uh, and honoring what's in the books. And then, of course, diving... Uh, back into two rivers yeah wow okay um yeah the inspirations behind those two things yeah the costume team uh looking at the they have a map right they started building a map of the entire wheel of time world that's awesome because you and i often pull up the map and we say where where are we at here and it really does help to understand and and help you feel the difference in these these regions and these countries and the and these different groups um, so that's awesome. That's awesome. Cause yeah, you, you, when you walk in, it's, we're going to need it because not only are the names, like when you go to Tanchico or you go to the Aiel waste or you're in Camelin, those have got to feel different and they've got to look different and it's got to help people who are just kind of coming into the series going, Oh, it's that group of people again, right? We're back to, to, to that mm-hmm. region or whatever. And I think we're going to need that cause it is, like I said, it's, it's a massive series. And so it, we, we, we're going to need that, you know, that, that visual cue, that help. That kind of reminder. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Jack. Looks like we got Jack here. Uh, how is the set of the Two Rivers designed um, architecturally? It, it would seem it would seem easy to make it homely and medieval, but because of its location and history, uh, are there any other inspirations coming into play? And he replies, Rafe replies with, when the books came out, they felt so blazingly fresh and different and new so we want that same thing to be true of the show. And if you see us leaning away from certain elements in the books, 
oftentimes it's because audiences have now seen them before. Um, and he kind of uh, continues on here. Unfortunately, sometimes uh, even in cases where the book to screen adaptations uh, are from books that uh, that kind of that kind of cribbed into uh, Wheel of Time. Okay, well, I think what he's saying, right, is that you know this is um, basically this is going to seem fresh. Like since that book series when it came out, uh, and, and when when Wheel of Time came out, it felt blazingly fresh and different. So what I'm getting from that, Matt, is that they're going to be. This is also going to be different. It's not going to just feel like. I don't. I don't think he wants us to feel like. Well, that's just another medieval set. You know what I mean? This has got to be. No, it's the two rivers, and it's something completely different. It doesn't look like anything we've seen before. It's fresh. It's new, and you know that that's going to be intriguing, uh, in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So. No. Absolutely. Well, and, and I got another one here too because a, a lot, some of these questions are are, are pretty similar. Um, this is from. Uh, Eerie uh, says, what balance are you striking between recreating what's in the books word for word and letting the artist have creativity? He says, uh, what's really important to me is that when we're diverging from the books that we know we're doing it. So every piece of production design from shoes to swords to the White Tower itself begins with uh, pages of quotes from the books about that place or thing. So, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you can't you've got to you've got to adapt it for television. It's got to work uh, for television. You can't make a, a 15, you know, you can't set out with, hey, we're going to make a 15 season show or, you know, whatever. You can't get every character in there um, and then making sure that things are designed. I mean, you know, uh, he, he actually goes on um, here to another question as uh, if you actually if, if you're OK with me pulling yeah. that up as well. Yeah. Um, this, this one was from Cold Witch Stormbless says, how do you decide what needs to be physically made um, and what's going to be effects? Right. That that practical effects for CG he says, I want things to be as real as possible. So in any place that we possibly can, we've built things instead of using effects. Our show could be all green screen, all CGI, but I think you'll be surprised how much it actually built and touched and held by our actors. So, I mean, that that, that that's kind of that's going to be that whole world, the characters, what's CG, what's not um you know then you have to you have to have the actual filming location to film there um and then trying to craft it to where it all looks like a world that um fits together like i think i think game of thrones um and lord of the rings for that as well did a very good job of building these worlds that feel like they fit Right. Even when you go to places that are very different and stuff like that, it still feels like it like it fits together in that sort of context, because you have to have that, too. Like, you don't you don't you don't just want to make something like, you know, I think it's easier in the book to have characters feel more and more different. But in the in the show, that kind of make them it seems like things get a little more similar and similar. Um, and, and so you, you'll, you'll build kind of your own style and, and stuff like that. And I think it'll all, it'll all blend together well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I totally agree with you. Well, and is it, yeah, again, this is all about, um, you know, props and costumes and, and set design and all that kind of stuff. We have, um, another one here, uh, Amis the Wise, uh, this is, this is pretty good. So what influences were used in designing the travel and the daily wear for, uh, the Emmonsfield five, but also Moraine and land? Uh, considering how they are described while on the road, uh, but how they appear while in a city setting, 
rough hewn wool, linen, silks, leathers. Uh, yeah, and then and then specifically like the water. I mean, that's 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 different, right? Uh, Rafe said, in my mind, Moraine and Land have spent the better part of their time together on the road. And the Emmonsfield Five grew up in a place where knowing how to survive in the wilds uh, was a necessity. So they are all incredibly practical uh, with what they wear and travel with. And uh, when they're in a city and not needing to leave soon, you could see different looks from them. I totally think that's so the deeper you get into the series, they spend more time in cities. And well, right now where we are in, in the Shadow Rising, we've been in tier for how long? Right, we've been in tier for, you know, uh, quite some time. We get a little, you know, relaxed. We put our travel gear, we take that off, and we're wearing things. Our characters are always kind of shocked by the new costumes that they see or the new um, attire uh, when they go into a new city or a new place. And then they try to like, well, that seems kind of nice. Like, let me let me give that a go. Our guys are getting you know different coats, different types of uh, embroidery on there, and the girls are wearing different types of you know. Uh, dresses and stuff as well it's 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 really cool so i cannot wait to see how how that works but then you put on the old travel cloak when when you leave and you go out and that is a it's it's a little thing but it's something that when i read like um gosh well i mean it's like that following our characters as they travel is not something we get a whole lot of in i'll just say in 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 lord of the rings like it's like i'm sorry in lord of the rings they are traveling all the time we're not stopped in like a, a city or a place where we're changing our, you know, what we're wearing quite a bit. And in this, we are. We, we really follow them. We'll go chapters where we're on the road, and then chapters uh, numerous where we're in a city. Uh, that happens sometimes in Game of Thrones as well, too. But it, it's just, I think it's emphasized way more, and Robert Jordan really pays attention to where his characters are at. And when they are wearing something, like when they had when they were rushed out of a city and they didn't change or whatever, like you, you notice that. You notice your character is still wearing a coat, uh, that they shouldn't be wearing or that it's too hot uh, to wear in the IEL waist or something. And it's like, wow. So right. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I'm going to say also, I think he answered a lot more than 10 questions. Uh, I think so, I'm just too. Scrolling th- so maybe we'll just, what does each pick? Maybe a couple more. So yeah. um, <clears throat> now this one, I don't necessarily know the importance of because uh, I feel like it might be a little bit past where I'm at. OK. Um, but the question was, will Moraine still have a staff at the outset? I know she says it helps her to focus, but seeing as how she just tossed it aside after it was um, charred coming out of the ways and she never replaced it, it doesn't really seem necessary. Um, He says, we're approaching this as an adaptation of the entire series, not just each book individually. So hopefully season one will feel more like the entire book series of Wheel of Time than it does the Eye of the World. With that in mind, no Moraine staff. Let chaos ensue. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Let chaos ensue. Um, that's that's interesting. I mean, it's um, it's cool. It's one of those things that I kind of you know where, where we are in in our reading and as we move forward, I kind of forget about that. Like when you go back and something he said earlier is these design teams they have sort of the original descriptions of the characters, and so when they go back and they look at like what they've designed for Moraine or for Land. They'll go back to, I'm guessing, Eye of the World, um, The Great Hunt, and things like that, and they will look at what originally they had down on this dock to kind of figure out what they're going to do for this costume design or this character or whatever. Um, but it seems like they made the decision out the gate to say uh, no no staff. And I like this because, as he said, they're adapting the entire series. 
So they are looking at it from like, they know where, and this is different for you and I, because you and I are doing a kind of a non-spoiler thing and we're, we're uh, in the shadow rising and we're working our way through. But uh, they've, they're looking at, they know where Moraine's story ultimately will end up at. They know where she's going to go and what will happen with her. And so they've said, you know what? Look, it's only there for this portion of time. Let's not get distracted with that. Let's look at, you know, what is something, an item or an artifact or whatever that she has throughout the entire series that's really important. And that's one of those that it, it even right now, I mean, have you, I don't think you and I have ever once talked about her staff or, or anything, you know, I don't even know. I don't even know that you and I noticed that she had a staff, right? I mean, like what? Right. So, uh, so yeah, let it, let, let, let chaos ensue. That's fine. Uh, we, we, we don't, you know, Moraine doesn't need to have, if she had a staff, it'd be cool. I'd be down, but if not, it's, it's totally fine. Fine with me. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was one more kind of throwaway question that I found, where somebody was asking if people are doing intense calf exercises. Says we, we need them all well, like well tuned or uh, <laughs> whatever. And he, and he said, "Yeah, I can in fact confirm that I am not doing those, but the actors are constantly doing those." So I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. Um, that's funny. Let's see. Let's find another one here real quick. Uh, music. Okay, the music. How is that? Related to the show. This is what I kind of brought up. You know, did we just get a glimpse of the theme? He said, this is not music. So this is in reference to the Blade, remember, uh, the little kind of teaser, um, that this music is not from the show itself. When it is, I'll make sure you know it, and it will hopefully feel very uniquely Wheel of Time. And that's awesome, because I'm hoping we hear we have that theme. You know what I mean? Like, we've got some type of theme similar to what we have in, in Game of Thrones or whatever, that we're just like, wow, that's awesome. And then we're all playing it to get hyped for episodes. And, and yeah, we want something that belongs to Wheel of Time. I, I want that as well. I really want to, you know, I want, I want it to have that feel. So, all right, yeah, that's, uh, there, there's a couple more. But, I mean, I think for the most part we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty good on that. Yeah, we, we got through most of them. The idea here is that they're paying attention to detail. That's what I'm getting, right? They're paying real close attention to detail, and um, they're spending, they have spent tons and tons of, you know, uh, hours and money and manpower just to to work on these things and make sure that everything kind of feels right. Uh, we, we focus a lot on, like, the cast and, and the actors and stuff, and they already, they look great, and everything Rafe has said about them, I am down, I'm in love with all of them. I think they're they're going to be great. And I love that some of them maybe haven't had um, – they're just lesser known. I just uh, – that's the only way to, you know, know to put it. And there uh, haven't been as many projects that we here know in the States. And so I'm happy to see these individuals, you know, come on the screen. And that, then what what is so cool for me is to see them, you know, garbed in such a way and to have them in their costumes that look and feel like Wheel of Time. And it just – I don't know. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome, man. It's so cool. It is so it is. cool. Uh, it is awesome. All right, um, as let's move over to our uh, our our main kind of like uh, main show. I guess it's the reread as we're as our first read for me uh, as as we uh, as we call it here. So um, today we're talking chapters eleven through twenty. Um, uh, chapter 11, What Lies Hidden, chapter 12, Tanchico or the Tower, chapter 13, Rumors, chapter 14, Customs of Mayin, chapters 15, Into the Doorway, 16, Leave Takings, 17, Deceptions, 18, Into the Ways, 
19, The Wave Dancer, and 20, Winds Rising. Uh, yeah, so, wow, this is, um, like I said, we've been in tier for a long time. Uh, we just keep hanging out here for, for quite a bit. It's a place we've been hearing about for, for a long time, and we spend some good quality time there. Uh, Rand has, you know, in the, in the last book, he defeated one of the uh, Forsaken, and he has claimed Kalendor. Uh, Moraine was, you know, uh, instrumental in all of that. And it's like, what do you do next? What is the next, you know, big, big move for Rand? He's, he's, got a, he's been studying. Um, he's been looking at the prophecies, working with Matt. Uh, he's got his two Tavir in there, right? So he's got Perrin and Matt um, who are in the city. And by the time, we're, we're, when we get to the end of this part, we will have made some really big decisions about where, where we're going to go and what we're going to do, um, where each of them is going to go. They're each going to kind of have an arc, and there's going to be rumors out there in the land. Rand has to go fulfill the prophecies. He has more he has to do. The Forsaken are plotting against him, and um, there's an attack going on in the, in, in the two rivers. Their home is under attack, and it's, it's this attempt to draw Rand back, and he will have none of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. What were your, I guess, this initial, you know, I mean, where, where do you want to start? You know, I mean, uh, um, well, I mean, I guess uh, this block of chapters, um, I feel like and, and I think you, you said this last time we recorded and you, um, and you said that just get ready because everything is about to change. Yeah. And I feel like where this ends, I feel because I've gone a little bit into chapter 21. So I feel like 22, 23 is where like, OK, all hell is about to break loose, which is what like, you know, you've, you've been kind of telling me, like, get ready is coming. Right. Um, but it just it, it doesn't just happen just yet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, this block of this block of chapters, um, it does again, the first 10, I, I feel like I've always felt like our, it's like staging, you know, all right, kind of it's. Get, here's what happened they do uh, chapter one is like always kind of a summary and chapter and chapter 10 is always like okay something happens that's going to set off like everything and then after about chapter 20 and what seems like the first four books is like when okay now you get to the meat of of this book yeah yeah exactly and so we're still kind of and it's it's weird. like we said this is one of the biggest um we're actually gonna do a couple additional parts on this book because it is so big and it's mm-hmm. just even though it's only been these first 20 chapters they're massive chapters, and they've been. There's been a lot of discussion and talk among characters. So yeah, yeah. Because I was looking at that as as we were going to go forward, and I was like, oh man, just looking at the audiobook, I'm like, well, some of these chapters. There's like, I think it's like, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's later in the book. I was just looking, and like two chapters are. It's like back to back over an hour each. Yep. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, we may have to reformat <laughs> this. <laughs> this yeah. And um, I, there's actually uh. I found it online. I don't. I don't have the name of it pulled up, but somebody broke down how many words per book and everything. It's like this huge graph, and it shows you everything. And these next three books are by far the biggest, with the exception of the final book. Yeah. Um. And so this, these are like the the biggest. And the last book was actually one of the shortest. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So four, five, and six are really big, and then seven, eight, and nine are a lot smaller. Yeah. So yeah. Those and, may and, those could actually end up being four four parts, or, or you know, just depends. And you know, yeah, it's, we, you were, we were talking with your brother in, in our extended edition, and by the way, uh, we're, we're back uh, with you know, in the Shadow Rising, uh, back to more extended editions, so uh, it was cool to kind of talk to him about what that was like, like the pacing of all of this, because yeah, it is it is kind of wild. Um, but these books are thick, but yet people are really, these are still fan favorites. These are still really uh, some of the best books in the series, these next three, and then you get to those ones that are shorter, but yet it's called kind of like the slog, right? And people are mm-hmm. like... 
<laughs> slowly marching through. They're not even as thick, but the way these are written, and that, that shows you it's not really about the words. It's more about just like the action that's happening because um, I'm currently in uh, Fires of Heaven, and I am just blitzing through that uh, more so than I am than I was here with the Shadow Rising. It's just kind of weird, like 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 how you can almost get on this journey where when there when it's action packed, you're just locked in. Like time will go by, and I'm like, wow, I just read, you know, I just listened slash read two chapters um, that you said are over over an hour uh, long each, and then uh, it felt like it was like 20, 30 minutes went by. So. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, I, I, I totally feel you because we are in, and yeah, I've been saying it, we're, we're in this big setup. You can start to kind of see, right, in these batch of chapters where our characters are going to go. Um, so let, just, I'm going to say, I'll say this just in general, and then I'm going to get Matt's kind of, you know, reaction on this. So you have, well, and part of the reason why this is so intense, right, is you have your Emmons Field 5. You have everyone here. We're all here. You've got Matt, Rand, Perrin. Okay, you've got Egwene, Nynaeve, you've got Elaine, right? You've got Moraine, you've got Lan. Now you've introduced all these, Avienda is here. You have Ruark, um, you have all these Aiel. You're, you're uh, the first of Mayen. Barrelane is there. We, we just got introduced to, who, like, who is this person? I mean, she seems pretty cool. So you have all of that going on, and everyone is together. They're all together right here, and some, some major time is spent right here because we're about I, you, by the end of this, and I, it's, it's not spoiler, by the end of this, we are on our way, I think, uh, uh, in this batch of chapters. Don't we get to the part where uh, Nynaeve and Elaine will go their separate way? They continue mm-hmm. to hunt the Black Anja. Yes. You know, that's the final two chapters, which I think we're going to kind of maybe do um, as a part of our extended edition uh, af- after this main show. But, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, Perrin, right? Perrin's planning to go back to the two rivers. And then Rand, mm-hmm. I mean, Rand is, is making his own preparation. So you you finally have everybody here. We're all together. We stay here. And then now we're about to go on this major, you know, adventure. Again, it's the second big wave of moving past getting Kalendor. So I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. And a lot of it is tier as, uh, you know, as as you said, right? Um, a, lot, a lot of it is tier and um, just because there's so many characters and there's because they're all here uh, at the same time, it's harder. It's harder to kind of progress forward. Cause you have to, you're, you do, you know, there's a lot of bouncing, a lot, a lot of bounce, a bouncing back and forth. And yeah. Forth. Well, it, it, it would be odd if Rand didn't talk to, if he was in tier and didn't talk to Matt and didn't spend mm-hmm. some quality time with Perrin uh, and that those characters then didn't talk to other characters and stuff, you know? So that it, it feels necessary for everyone to kind of talk almost like, in some way, whether they're like a lot, a lot of times, like the the girls were coming in trying to help Ram with channeling, you know, uh, previously, and um, Matt and we had the the bubble of evil uh, was was attacking, and people thought Rand was going crazy. Rand is starting to distance himself from more rain and say, "Hey, I'm going to do this on my own." So, anyways, yeah, uh, j- just to kind of, I'll just do like a brief. If you're cool with this, I'll just do like a brief mm-hmm. kind of rundown of the of the chapters and get your thoughts on that individual chapter. Um, mm-hmm. So, like chapter eleven, what lies hidden? Uh, this is all about going to um, the dream world, right? I mean, this is all about Egwene kind of going in and she meets a um, Ames, and she is basically told, like, you need to learn. Like, if you're going to be in, te- in Teleron Riyadh, then you need to come and learn from us, the wise ones. 
So we come out of that and we say, who are these freaking, who are the wise ones, right? First of all, I don't trust the Aes Sedai, okay? I'm just kidding. I do trust the Aes Sedai. But we were told not to, right? We were told, don't trust the Aes Sedai. Uh, and now we have these individuals called the wise ones who are, like, talking down a little bit to, um, you know, trying to put Egwene in her, in her place. Uh, it's been rumored that she's a dreamer, but she is not using the stone ring anymore to get into Teleron Riyadh. She wants to do it on her own. And she is starting to kind of, you know, work work through that. So that was neat. I mean, the, the, the next couple, well, we'll have kind of a, um, in this batch of chapters, I mean, we do explore that realm a little bit more and we get a little bit, you know, further insight into it. Yeah, and that's been something that we they've slowly been hinting at and slowly been and getting towards. And a lot of, I mean, obviously people have had a lot of different dreams uh, that are, uh, important and they and they see things in them. Um, I don't know, and this may just be me because I'm not far enough along to know the the, the all of if everybody's dreams. You know, do they take place in Teleron Riyadh, uh, the dream world, or are they just regular dreams, or are like you know Rand's dreams with Balzaman? Are those something different? Um, yeah. Or yeah. are they, or is it part of this dream world? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. I know for a fact that that's going to be explored a lot in our next part. Like, and I, um, mm -hmm. it's like, like, uh, so this this chapter right here is the setup for all of that. Where all the answers that we have about that are going to be answered in our next part for sure. They there have been some answers in that, like when Egwene is dreaming about stuff, we are learning about this world, how it's how how she has been seeing Perrin and Rand in this world as well. Um, but she doesn't see a lot of other people. Uh, and, and, you know, so she does kind of come across Lanfear and the Forsaken, you know, at one point having their conversation in a, in a, in a previous book. So she's seeing things that would still kind of unclear. Is she see, are they, are they visions or is she actually coming across their dreams or just what they're doing in Teleron Riyadh? Are those things different? All of that in the next part is going to be answered, uh, pretty clearly for us. So mm -hmm. I think what is kind of, kind of save that because this it is something that has been it's one of those things that there's a payoff right there's a big payoff in, in when you in this series and that you've been wondering this whole time you're kind of confused you're meant to be kind of confused about this world because we're following we're falling into this world through Egwene and Egwene then comes across a wise one right here who basically is is also um a maiden of was previously a maiden of the spear Avienda when she comes out she knows who that person is and knows that she was once she's a wise one who gave up the spear to um she, she was um Bars uh des oh, I always say it wrong Bars Dismise it's the uh, mm -hmm. maidens of the spear right so she she laid down her spear to become one of the wise ones and uh so Avienda kind of Let's her know about that. But in that, when she was in that dream, that uh, she gets her, her clothes get changed. She's left like naked in, in Teleron Ria. Like she's totally like messed with and almost scolded and basically said, hey, you know, come, come to, um, you know, the uh, Io, the, the, the Revolt land. Yeah. And then, and that's there. That's where she's going to kind of, you know, um, train her. She actually says specifically to come to Cold Rocks Hold is where Amis wants her to come. So, um, yeah, that's she, she is, she wants to know more about this and she, she sees this as training. You know, I, I love it about Egwene. It's like, this is what she loves. She loves to learn new stuff and she's, she sees it as a talent, something that they saw in the tower that she had a talent for this. So to get better at it, to learn what they know, she has to go there. 
And so she's going to. So, yeah, we'll answer all those questions, um, you know, in the next part for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember that in that in that dream, um, she glimpses a blonde woman with a silver bow. That's who she yeah. is, is. Yeah. And so in the. Yeah. Yes. So she doesn't. Yeah. She, so she doesn't know who that is. Right. Um, right. Just yet. Also, by the way, um, she does find Sever Angrial, which we will cover in our village council. Uh, oh yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah <laughs> which yeah, we yeah. skipped, which we skipped. That's my bad. Uh, yeah, but we 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 can we can we can talk more about that after. Um, yeah, after, a, after 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 the chapter. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so chapter twelve as uh, Tanchico or the Tower. Yeah. Um, that's where the that's where Egwene wakes up from her trip to Teleron Riyadh, uh, and Egwene tells them of meeting um, Amis uh, and and her orders to go to Cold Rock's Hold. Uh, Gwen asks Avienda if she knows Amis or the Hold. Uh, from Avienda, they learned that um, she was uh, far Daris Mai before she became a Dreamwalker and the Wise yeah. One. Yeah, yeah, far Daris Mai. Yeah, that that is what I was trying to think of. Yeah. Um. So yes, exactly. And this is like the decision is Tanjiko or the Tower. Where do you go? Um. Egwene knows where she's going to go. Uh. And she she actually asked Avienda like. Would you accompany me back? Would you would you help me get back to uh, your land, essentially, and, and, and to find this person? And Avienda says she'd rather go to Tanchico. She she would rather not um, be involved in this. And you're like, wait, wait, why? I mean, she's she's friends with Egwene. She um, like it just doesn't make any any sense. And then you find out that Moraine produces a letter from the Wise Ones stating that Avienda is to come to them at Rudion. And you're like, wait, what? And so, Avienda, you're supposed to go there anyways. And then she, her behavior is just like, almost like uh, she throws a, a, a like a temper tantrum or something. And, and she's very much proclaiming that she's a maiden of the spear. She's, she does not want to go and she's not going to run back and forth to uh, these wise ones just when they call and she storms out of the room. Um, and so that's kind of this, this crazy, we start to realize something is going on with Avienda um, and we don't know really what, you know, what, what, what's up. I mean, that's, we're going to explore more of that later. And I think, uh, I, I, I would imagine you, right. Uh, you, you're not supposed to disobey the wise ones. I mean, uh, doesn't that just, yeah, I, certainly does not appear to be so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, Avienda is cool. What, what do you think of Avienda so far? I guess like, uh, it, Mm. Um, I like her. It it is kind of a weird dynamic because she's just so different than the uh, you know the I said I women right you know uh, Nynaeve, yeah. uh, Nynaeve, Egwene, and uh, Elaine. Um, she's just so so different um uh, than them, and so she's always kind of providing like her own insight to things, and it's always like very different, and it's just a weird gang to be together, right? <laughs> it's just it's just yeah. it's a really it's a really kind of they just feel could not feel more more different. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, it is definitely, um, well, one of the things, let me, let me, uh, let me back up here real quick. So something that's mentioned when they're talking about Amis, uh, she says that she is, um, let me see where, where is this? That, that, uh, talks about the IEL relationships and that Amis is sister wife to Leanne, uh, who are, yeah, yeah. Who is Avienda's sister mother. And she basically describes this custom where in which the IEL women can marry the same man uh that that two women marrying one man and that just for our our Emmons fielders just blows their mind what they can't they can't believe that and Avienda's like wait that's not like 
normal here. I mean, she, you know, mm-hmm. like they're so, so, so different. Um, right. sister, yet, sis, you, have, you have sister wives, you have sister mothers. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and so they're starting to, and they like Avienda and Avienda likes them. Um, and it's just kind of funny. They have, if you watch Avienda, she often talks about wetlanders and she talks about like how soft they are in this country and stuff. But yet like she loves these wetlanders. I mean, she has grown, she's seeing that they're harder, that they are not what she thought and what she's, you know, uh, grown, grown to believe. So it's just interesting how two people from very different parts of the world can have very different beliefs and customs, right? But be really good friends and really have mm-hmm. each other's backs. And that's, I think, a, a lesson in this story that I that I love. So, yeah, that was that was kind of cool. Yeah, she's different. She's uh, she's something. She is she is next level. I really like Avienda a lot. She she's really cool, and she's that person who will. Can she will make you laugh in, in that like she is super serious, she is super not to be messed with. She is, uh, I'll just say, she's badass. She's badass, and she, um, but she challenges us because she challenges all of our characters because of uh, what their beliefs are and their customs, right? And how and yeah, how they how they, how they how they've grown up. Yeah. Um, all right, as uh, chapter thirteen rumors. So we get back to Matt, right, and he's kind yeah. of alone in a tower. Uh, he's got barmen, you know. There's barmaids around him. Beers flowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know he's he's uh, and there's you know rolling dice. Uh, people are rolling dice, gambling. He's sitting with his back to the wall where he can see all the doors, but for once he is not interested in the dice or the waitress's ankles. Uh, he is he goes over the attack on the stone by the shadow spawn in his head. You know how 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 a gray man had hunted him down, only to be replaced by a murdral after he killed it. Um, you know, just when he thought he was almost certainly doomed, a, a group of Trollocs of all things come to his rescue. Uh, while his mind is, you know, recollecting what happened uh, that night, he finds his finger has drawn uh, an open door on the table. So Matt is so weird because think it's like all of these things are just happening, and it feels like he has no. It's like Perrin. We still don't really know enough about the wolf stuff yet, but it's like so specific. That it's kind yeah. of like, okay, well, we kind of have an idea. Okay, it's like something to do with wolves. It's something to do with an ancient power or whatever. Matt's feels like it's all over the place. Right, and this is, what I, this is what I really like because if all of them just had some power that they were born with or that they, you know, I, I love that Rands is similar to a lot of the other power users. And so we're like, okay, cool. We can kind of rate him and gauge him and, and, and pair him up to the Forsaken and Moraine and, and, and you know, everyone else. Uh, Perrin... Whatever's going on, whatever this is, this connection he has with wolves and the dream world, it's ancient. It's well beyond even this age of legends. It's like far beyond that. It was it was something that was um, even during their time, even during the time of the age of legends, they would have said that's beyond us. We don't even know what that is. That's something sort of like men. Men is that ancient mystic type of power, uh, which is which is pretty cool. So then you get to Matt, as you say, and Matt is a guy who we're going to find out is going to, he draws that, uh, he doesn't even realize he's doing it. He draws that door because on his mind, he's been thinking about the door that has answers that Egwene said Moraine may be using, uh, this Terangrial that he could go into and sort of see what, you know, get some answers to some stuff Mm -hmm. possibly. And he will go into that door. He decides to go there. But, you know, and remember before, he had an urge to leave. He didn't know where he wanted to go or what he had to do. He had this urge, but yet he was um, 
there was a part of him, his Tavira nature, that was pulling him and keeping him near Rand, and that Rand needed him to stay, uh, and that, that that's what the pattern required at this time. So then he's given information about this red door uh, that we have down, um, you know, in d- down below in, in tier that we're going to visit here in a little bit. And so he's going to, you know, kind of go there. But the big thing is in this chapter is those rumors going that things are happening in the two rivers. And it's weird the way the Taviran talk to each other, right? The way Perrin and Matt kind of talk to each other. Perrin's almost saying he knows that Matt's not going back. Perrin knows that he has to go back. And Matt knows that I want to go back, but Perrin's going and I have to stay with Rand. They somehow know um, they get these feelings and these urge, this pull that tells them to stay or to go or to move. And so it's very interesting uh, when, when you know, you, you take a look at that. So I love it. I, yeah. I, I love it. But that's that's where we're at there. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's move to Chapter 14, Customs of Mayin. Now we're back with Perrin. Uh, yep. You know, Perrin shakes his hat his head, excuse me, after Matt leaves the room. You know, there's no way that Matt would leave, would leave Rand to go back to the two rivers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, Perrin himself wishes there was a way to avoid going home, but he knows there isn't, uh, and he has to fulfill his duty. Yep. Um, he starts preparing for his trip back to the two rivers. His shoulder is still sore from the attack and is run with a trollic. While he is packing, Bear Lane all of a sudden shows up in his room, asking where he's going and telling him that she uh, is leaving herself. When Perrin asks why, um, asks her why uh, she is t- telling him all of this, she says um, she wants him to tell Rand. Perrin refuses, telling her doesn't. Um, he, telling her he doesn't have any time to carry messages for anybody. Uh, Bear Lane is astonished. Perrin would refuse her and all of a sudden looks at Perrin in a new light. There you go. Yeah. Uh, she starts eyeing him and offers him a job in Marine, uh, Maine, excuse me, uh, as her own personal blacksmith. At this very moment, Fayil comes into the room. Bear Lane ignores her and steps closer to Perrin, touching him possessively. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know... Uh... Who is this? She, she has she keeps showing up in people's you know rooms, right? Uh, Bear Lane is just she's there, she's trying to I, again. It's all coming from we talked we did kind of a little special on her um, a few parts back, either part one or part two, I can't remember. Um, but Bear Lane is someone who is she uses like her honest honest to God, she, she says this and it's 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 said about her that like she knows that she is attractive to men. And she mm-hmm. tries to use that as a sword, the same way you would use a sword in a fight. Yeah. She uses that. Her, to her feminine advantage. wiles. Yeah. I mean, she, she does. And so it's to try to secure these alliances to make to make these, you know, uh, packs, deals or whatever. Um, and it's all for her people and for her city state and, and to keep them, you know, safe. Um, sometimes it's hard to kind of tell, like, she really gets into it. You know what I mean? She's really <laughs> she's she's really selling us on on just. The whole Rand, I mean, when she approached Rand, and now she's approaching Perrin. Uh, Matt walks by her, and she just sort of dismisses him, which is hilarious because Matt's the one who would totally fall for something like that and is into, you know, um, often around or, or, or in bars or whatever. And, yeah, so I don't know. That uh, That is, yeah, it's 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 cool. Bail is super uh, upset about it, chases her out. They almost fight. So you, you, you get this... Um, Hawk and Falcon kind of actually fighting over Perrin, which is mm-hmm. what something that men saw and something that we've we've seen through Egwene. Um, so there's that, and and so you can kind of imagine that this is going to be something that might continue uh, for Perrin for a bit. And uh, yeah, yeah. So so 
Their paths have crossed, and she has stopped and taken a second look at Perrin. We're going to leave her where she is, like here in Tier for a while, uh, and we're going to just follow Perrin and Fail uh, as they make preparations to go to the two rivers. So Yeah, well, let's just say Perrin, uh, Fai- Fai- yeah, Fail Fai- and Berylaine, uh do not get along. Uh, it's, it's going to be a love, it's going to be a love, love triangle, uh, you know, (laughs) that, that, that we have, that we, that we have going for it. Right. And then they, um, they're threatening each other. She threatens her, right. Feel, you know, she threatens bear lane, um, uh, before she knows it, it, uh, bear lane has her on the floor gasping for air. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're going to fight. The women are fighting, uh, they're fighting. Um, but then Ruark steps in, uh, and convinces them, you know, not to, 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 to not Continue fighting, right? So, yeah, so that's yes. yeah. That's, um, mm-hmm. All right, uh, chapter fifteen into the doorway. Um, so this we're back to Matt. Um, he's in the great hold at the basement yeah. of the Stone of Tear. Um, after he learns about the red door frame, uh, Teron Grial from Egwene. He finally finds his way to the great hold, and um, and amongst a lot of boxes um, and jumble, uh, he he spots the door frame he is looking for. Uh, he hesitates in front of the Terran Grial, but steps through it. He finds himself in a huge round hall with spiraling col- columns reaching up to the ceiling. On the other side, he meets a strange snake-like human with black eyes and a skin that glistens like a snake's scales. The man says the Seekers have come again and asks him if he is carrying iron or musical instruments. Matt denies this, although he wonders what the man uh, thinks the knife he is holding is made out of. The man leads him through the str- a strange hall and uh, to three snake people who all who will answer his questions. Uh, Matt asks whether he should go home and is told to go to uh, Rudion instead. While he is in there, the snake people get more and more agitated. They talk about not being able to handle the strain and push Matt into asking his questions fast. Um, after the, after there's panic and Matt is rushing into his final two questions, Matt says the last thing on earth he wants to do is go to Rudion and want to know, uh, you know, why should he, why should he have to go there? They tell him he needs to follow his fate and he will marry the daughter of the nine moons and a few other cryptic things that he can't make sense of. It, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot not to be made ma- that you don't understand. I kind of want to slow down on this part just for a, a second. Cause it is such go, an yeah, interesting, you know, an interesting part. Um, they're known as the, I don't know if they say this in here or not, and I don't think it's spoiler, but they're known as the Elfin. Um, they're this race of beings who are combined human appearance with like snake-like characteristics, like they're, um, those features are snake-like. Uh, and they will, we did hear in the Shadow Rising Chapter 6 that they will answer three questions to anyone who visits them as long as they do not touch the shadow. Uh, if you do touch the shadow, those who do will face dire consequences, either death, madness, or worse. And so, you know, that's interesting, right? I mean, you, you cannot be uh, yeah. a dark friend and, and, and go in there and essentially try to, um, you know, ask questions and stuff. So it, that it's just an interesting, um, you, you got to remember, too, a lot of these Tyrion Grial and these things that were found were from the Age of Legends that were used by um, Aes Sedai, both men and women, before the breaking of the world, before Luce Theron and the Hundred Companions and the whole the whole deal. So, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just kind of thought about this, but like the, it had to have been something that was maybe used by them or that they, and I'm just speculating. That's total speculation. That's just me, uh, thinking off the cuff here that this door, you know, was probably maybe used by, by them back in the day. And it was maybe not a bad thing and maybe they understood it. 
because they do say it has been a long time. It's been a long time since the Seekers have come in here, and there's this known sort of like you're not supposed to bring fire and these element, these iron and things like that. Um, it's just some ancient pack that they have. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, they do speak in a rather harsh dialect of the old tongue, uh, which might be the reason why answers are not always easily understood, uh, as the language is known to have several meanings when translated. All right, so when someone comes seeking true answers yet cannot speak the language, they bring a woman to interpret. Uh, the answers are always true, but given in the form of a riddle in most cases. Um, Moraine, I'm not sure if this is said yet or not, so I'll kind of hold off on this part. Um, and she steps out, right? I mean, she steps out at the mm-hmm. end of this, right? But I'm not so sure what she says. Uh, well, I'll look at that at, at the end here. Uh, but let me just go over what they what they say to Matt. Um, so as, as you know, he's in there. He, I mean, first of all, as they're traveling through this thing, it's trippy, right? I mean, the spiraling and and whatever this feature is that he's in, it just doesn't make sense. It keeps kind of looking out the window and um, it, it just, uh, it's, it's really kind of hard to understand what it is that he's in. So that's, it's, it's a mystery. And I'm not going to answer all of the, cause there are, a, there's a lot of things we could explain about this place and things we could explain about these people. But again, this is just the first part of this. And all we really need to know is that they have given answers that, um, that it says the answers are always true, always true. Um, so Matt, as he goes in, he, his first question to them, he's brought, he's brought before them and he says, should I go home to help my people? He asked finally. So he's been, he's been struggling with that. He's been thinking about going back, even though when he left Perrin, Perrin kind of knew Matt's not going back. Um, I, I, I should go back. And, um, three sets of slitted eyes lifted from him, uh, reluctantly it seemed, and they studied the air above his head. Finally, the woman on the left said, you must go to Rudion. So that's where he has to go. He has to go to Rudion. That's actually what Egwene was just told, that she has to go there, that Avienda has to go there, and mm-hmm. um, that, that Egwene has to go there as well to see the wise ones. Uh, so as soon as uh, she spoke, their, their eyes all dropped to him again, and they leaned forward, breathing deeply. At that moment, a bell tolled. This bell keeps kind of going off. They swayed upright, staring at one another, and then again... Um, just over Matt's head. It's interesting that they look just over his head uh, because it reminds me of of men looking at symbols just above people's heads. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? So, like, that's just a thought yeah. that, I, yeah, that, that, that I had. Um, so, let's see. Yeah, they're swaying there. Um, uh, he is another, the woman on the left whispered, the strain, the strain. He is another. We find out here in a second that he's another one of these Taviran. You have two Taviran in here asking questions because when we know when Matt steps out later, Rand steps out and then more rain. They all were in there causing great strain on whatever this Tirangriol uh, is. So she's kind of whispering to 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 them that, hey, he's another one of them. Uh, and then they're talking about it's been so long. Um, so, yeah. All right. Um, he glares up at him. You know, Rudion, the light, right? He's just like, what? What does this mean? Why? Um, and, uh, Rudion, he barked, the light burn my bones to ash if I want to go to Rudion and my blood on the ground, if I will, why should I, you are not answering my questions. You are supposed to answer, not hand me riddles. If you do not go to Rudion, the woman on the right said, you will die. The bell tolled again louder this time. Matt felt its tremor through his, through his boots. 
Uh, the looks of the three shared were painfully anxious. <laughs> he opened his mouth, but they were only concerned with each other. The strain, <laughs> you know, they're like, it's too great. <laughs> they're freaking out. Um, which is, which is, it's just crazy. Uh, they're all freaking out about the questions he's asking. He's like, burn, uh, burn your souls for a craven heart. I will that. Uh, why will I die if I go to Rudion? I very likely will die if I try. It makes no. The man cut him off and spoke hurriedly. You will have sidestepped the thread of fate, left your fate to drift on the winds of time, and you will be killed by those who do not want that fate fulfilled. Go now. You must go quickly. And he says, no, I will not go. Um, you know, he, he says, you have led me from the questions I wanted to ask and given me senseless answers. You will not leave it there. What fate are you talking about? I will have one clear answer out of you at least. A third time the bell sounded. Go, the man shouted. You have had your answers. You must go before it is too late. Um, so let's see. What fate? Burn your hearts. What fate? So he won't give up here. He's not giving up at all. He's saying, no, I want to know. What fate? And then eventually this is what I read at the top of the show, which is to marry the daughter of the nine moons, the to nine die moons. and to live again, and to live once more a part of what was to give up half the light of the world to save the world. Go to Rudion, son of battles. Go to Rudion, trickster. Go, gambler. Go. And it's just cool because you finally get like a direct reference to him being what you were talking about. Matt's powers evolving. Who is Matt? What is he? And what what is his role in all of this? And when you look at like mythology and you look at um, some of those, you know, uh, characters from, from ancient mythologies, like he's the trickster. Right. You know, I mean, he is the gambler. The he gambler. Is, yeah, and and um, so I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. We didn't, we now kind of know who he is, and and you know, uh, the the wild card that he will be in this series. So I don't know. I just wanted to kind of slow down on that. It's just such a crazy, uh, a crazy moment. And then Rand steps out. He has his air quote answers, and Moraine as well. So again, setting the stage for like, okay, we're all about to go, uh, and we needed some some intel. So yeah, it's it's and it's I cool. mean in. <clears throat> so much it seems like so much of everybody's prophecy is that they're gonna who they're who they're gonna marry. I mean Matt's right Matt's getting one right here. The yeah. you, the daughter of the nine moons. Yeah. Who's and that? The parent, the falcon and the, right. the, hawk, the hawk, right? Yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, one you had Egwene and, and Elaine all talking about like, look, I mean Egwene's like he's more like a brother to me, you know, do yeah. your thing. They they've been kissing it up and all that good stuff. So Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, all right, chapter sixteen: leave takings. Um, Perrin has not slept very well after the attack on the stone. Uh, his sleep is littered with nightmares. The nightmares are trying to fight white cloaks uh, because the white cloaks were killing Fael. After washing and getting dressed, he goes to find Loyal, noting uh, noticing that little evidence remained of the night's attack because the uh, Majir, uh had you know. Uh, kick uh, livered servants out of the f- out out in force. Oh yeah. However, Perrin could still smell the blood that uh, had been shed throughout the night and yearns to leave the stone. When he reaches Loyal's room, he sees that in fact, um, you, you know, uh, it it was in fact made for an Ogier, uh, even though the Stone of Tear predated even that of uh, Ogier stoneworks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Turns out that Loyal has spent most of his time after the attack writing notes about it for his book. Uh, his room is filled with flowers, but Perrin notices the swollen knot on Loyal's head uh, and volunteers to get Moraine to see if she, she can heal it. Loyal explains that he considers it nothing worth bothering her for, especially since there were so many who truly needed her help. Perrin is startled when Fael stands up and informs him that Loyal was a hero. 
He gathered as many children as he could into a large room and held the door against the Trollocs mm-hmm. and the Murdral. Let's go. Yeah, let's by go. The way, lo- by the way, loyal. Uh, Perrin loyal. asks, yeah, Perrin asks if uh, he's heard from her mother. She says he hasn't. Um, he did say, <laughs> I saw, yeah, he says, uh, I saw Land Fear in the city yesterday. Uh, apparently, Loyal's mother has chosen his wife already uh, and means to have him settled in a steading as soon as she finds him. <laughs> just, yeah. just great. It is yeah. like this great just like thing about Loyal, right? Um, yeah. <clears throat> Perrin urges this to ask Loyal if he wants to accompany him to the two rivers. Uh, your mother definitely won't find you there. Uh, Loyal is, is, you know, he's reluctant to leave Rand, um, which would also mean disrupting his book. Perrin explains he needs Loyal because there are white cloaks who are hurting people in two rivers, and Loyal agrees to go with him. Yeah, and it's it's nuts. You know, Fael has made him also swear that he will mm-hmm. take her into the ways, right? That's that's this she knows. She knows that he's gonna she's heard the rumors too, that he's gonna go back to his people. And she said he's gonna uh, she already knows what he's thinking, which is he's gonna try to leave me. He thinks that I can't, you know. He wants to protect me. He wants to make sure that I'm out of harm's way. He knows he's going into harm's way. Um, and she knows the only way that he can get there is with um, an Ogier and going to the Waste to get there quickly. Um, and it's like, look, if you don't do that, then you're going to go the long way. It's going to take forever. And that's going to be agonizing for Perrin. He won't do that. So she knows to get to to get to Loyal first. And um, before Perrin can say, no, Loyal, we're not taking her Loyal, you're going to listen to me. You're going to help me. You're, you're going to whatever. She, and he's already made some ancient oath to her. So he is he is doing what Fael wants, uh, and, and that's that. Um, yeah, I, I love Loyal. It's, it's awesome. He's worried about his mother showing up and, and making. And again, hey, marriage arrangements, right? Worried about uh, possibly, you know, that's been hinted at since uh, the Great Hunt, <laughs> that Loyal mm-hmm. might have to settle down and get married here soon. So, oh, my gosh. Um, one more thing, and that was basically just Elaine going over her note. She she writes these letters to uh, in that chapter. You switch point of views, and you go to Elaine real quick, and uh, they talk about the Black Aja. They talk about Tanchico. Um, it's referenced in Egwene's earlier dream. Amis um, kind of says there is evil in Ch- in Tanchico, and um, you know she sees a lot of things there. Actually, Egwene sees some some Angriol and Sangriol that well Angriol that we need to maybe go check out. And uh, so Nynaeve and Elaine are going to go because Egwene has to go uh, to Rudion. She has to go to the Wise Ones. So before they leave, though, it's like Elaine now is realizing she's not going with Rand. She She's going to go on her own. Regardless of where he goes, whether he stays or goes, she is going to go her separate way, and she wants to leave him with these letters. Um, and they're two conflicting kind of letters, and they, they kind of go over that, and it, it is what it is. Lan is, is also super pissed because Nynaeve led him to believe, although she didn't lie, she didn't lie, but, like, she led him to believe that she was going back to the tower. And he's, like, pissed because she's actually going after the Black Aja, and that's dangerous, and he doesn't want her to go into danger, and so he's like, you know, I, I wish I could be there with you, and and they have a, they yeah. have their moment. Um, yeah, they do. They have about, about, about dang time. Yeah, man, it's, it's Jeez. Awesome. I know. I know. Yeah, Ooh. and he. Th- yeah, if she dies, he won't survive her for long. Uh huh. Um, and he does. And he does it. He says that you know she. He gets. She gets upset because he kisses her for the world to see, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Well, too bad. Too bad." Yeah, yeah. He's uh, right in front yeah. of a Gawain, Right in front of a Gawain and, and yeah. Elaine. Oh my gosh, it's awesome! It's awesome. Um, and so what? Yeah, actually, when Egwene asked Nynaeve, you know, why uh, she let him 
go back to Moraine, she answers that I will not have him remembering a broken oath to Moraine. So that's not how she wants, like, if he were to break his oath and go with her, he's going to be carrying that. And that's not how she wants to have her relationship start with Lan. No way. I'm not going to be in any debt to Moraine or think we did Moraine wrong or whatever. Um, she, she doesn't want that. So she's not sure how she will get Lan away from Moraine. Uh, but, quote, uh, what must be done can be done. <laughs> so it's been, she was going to say, what must be done, which is to get Lan away from Moraine, it can be done, and I will do it, and I will figure it out. So it's just that determination that, like, um, we're meant to be together. There's this hiccup. Moraine is, you know, whatever. Um, and we find out that Moraine has her own her own plans, and right. it's, it's yeah. cool. So, yeah, that was neat. That was a neat little chap, neat little connection for those, because they're about to all part ways and go go separate ways, and so they had their, their moment where they're kind of working through that, so... Um, okay, chapter 17 here. Uh, we get back to Tom, actually. So this is actually one of the, one other chapter that's kind of split up a, a, a few different things. Uh, yeah. We have Tom. Uh, we have Min. We jump back to her. And then we have uh, Sara. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, with Tom, he is he's like walking through the Stone of Tear. He's aching and hurting, right? He's, pre- he's pretty tired. Um he talks to a group of servants, um, the pretense kind of of trying to raise spirits, but in fact, he's using his skills at Deus Damar to try and help Rand. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, he's saying things like, "It's a shame that uh, no one asked why those barges were at the dock," because uh, he's, you know, he's, he talks to servants about how Trollocs were were there. Uh, he mentions that the High Lord should have asked um, about it. Uh, and sows doubt into the minds of the servants. If they can't trust the High Lords, they will have turned to basically randall thor yeah uh, yes which is which is which is what yeah yeah well it's yeah tom tom is a master at this game right i mean he wants the people to to follow rand and he knows that he needs their support and it's more it's way more difficult you know if if everyone is just afraid of rand and they don't trust him and they're just like well we know the high lords and but tom's so in the seat of doubt which is that hey they're not looking you're gonna have to turn to somebody else because you're being attacked. Things are happening here at the Stone of Tear that have never happened before. And the only person who seems to be able to handle this is Rand Althor, the Dragon mm-hmm. Reborn. And so those rumors start to kind of do their thing, and he's playing his part. Uh, Moraine recognizes that and realizes that he is a master at this game. He truly is, uh, you know, a master at Deus de Mar. Um, and actually, let me get to that part real, real quick. So... Mm-hmm. We'll get into the High Lords later because th- there's uh, something that's gonna there's implications here for everything he's saying and, and the, the seeds that Thomas is is sowing here and we'll talk about that later in a Rand chapter. Um, but Moraine goes on um, to talk about the time Tom spent at the Endoran Royal Court. She implies that Tom might have had something to do with the death of Tarngale, um, and then Morgays and her her rise to power and all that all that stuff. Um, yeah, did I feel like this? Yeah, this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is it. I mean, this is where. Okay, so um, uh, let's see. He points out that uh, Tom. This is Tom talking to Moraine. He points out that that aiding Rand means that she has high connections in the tower. Someone in the hall uh, of the White Tower. Um, it is Suan Sanche who gives Moraine the protection she needs to stay close to Rand. Moraine replies that not using her house in her title uh, is by choice because House Dom, uh, House Domadred. Uh, had a uh, deservedly unpleasant reputation and still does. And we can talk about that 
just as a refresher in a second. Really, it's it's tied back to uh, King Layman and 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 the the Aiel War and everything that happened in Kyrian uh, and, and her ties and her family ties to that. Um, Moraine wants him to go, so she's convincing Tom to go with Elaine and Nynaeve to Tanchico to protect them. Your knowledge and skills might keep them alive. Tom thinks that she wants him out of the way as it will leave the boy naked to her manipulation. Moraine insists that going to Tanchico will not kill him, and by the first oath, you know it's true. Tom is not convinced, and so Moraine uses Elaine and his nephew uh, Owen as lovers to get what she wants. In return for Tom going to Tanchico, uh, she will give him the names of the Red Sisters who gentled Owen after Tanchico. That's a pretty big deal. I almost forgot about that. Um, which is that, like, he's always had, since the beginning, you've wondered, like, wh- why, um, you know, Tom has this mysterious past. He has, there's some tension between him and more, uh, well, between, you know, his time at court and um, in Camelin. And then he's, he's a gleeman. Moraine knows his backstory, knows his nephew, knows that he was gentled and then ends up dying. And it was these red sisters that did it. And Tom wants revenge on them. And she says, I'll give you their names. And he's like, I'll take them. I mean, Tom, mm-hmm. Tom is the guy who we said rumored, you know, you know, killed uh, the, the king of, of, of Kyrian, right? Um, because of all that plotting and all that stuff that was going on, you know, back in, back in the day. And then his, um, you know, his, his, uh, his lover, his girlfriend at the time was, was killed. What was mm-hmm. uh, was it Dana? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dana. Uh, yep. Yeah, is is killed, and so then he's like, okay. I mean, he you don't mess with Tom. Tom is something else, man. He is another level. I I, I love his character. Yeah, um, I do too. Um, and as and as you said, I mean, it, the thing I like about Tom too is he's he's such a good break from the other characters because he's obviously a lot older and he has all these experiences which are sort of mysterious and then he like while other people it's like okay things seem to go good for them things have seemed seemingly gone pretty awful uh for tom and and you know <laughs> kind of the other way where um it, it just it's a good kind of reminder that things are not as maybe as great as they seem right it's like we see elaine kiss ran and we're like oh this is great and then you cut back to tom and you're like oh yeah tom lost his girlfriend yeah. he got attacked he hurt his leg he's yeah right Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's just, it's interesting to see these two kind of guides who have been, been kind of guiding, um, you know, Moraine's been talking to, uh, Gwaine quite a bit and, um, Tom has been talking a lot to, 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 or I'm sorry, Rand has been talking to Moraine quite a bit as well, but, uh, Tom, he seems to really trust Tom. And then Tom kind of, uh, gets close with Matt and, uh, he's just been, you know, kind of guiding these guys on the side. So yeah, it's, it's, it's neat. Um, a couple more things in this chapter, and then we can kind of uh, we, we move on real quick. Just just quickly, uh, men at the White Tower. We learn uh, that that Juan Sanchez is uh, she's heard about Mazram Taim. She wants he's another false dragon. Who that's a big name. We're gonna talk more about Mazram Taim as he as he moves as we move forward in the story. He's a false dragon who, uh, as soon as he is captured, she wants him gentled on spot, and that is against the law. I am pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he has to come back and be tried and have a fair trial but she says no i'm not gonna have another one of these situations gentle him on the spot i don't know matt it sounds like they're taking the law on their own it sounds like they're just you know i mean like can we is it is it, until you've done some wrong until you've done some wrong what is a crime Are, to be i don't born i don't know the chandler in, i i don't know that you're innocent until proven guilty right and ran and ran land 
Now, now again, you seems, need to do it. It seems, yeah. it seems like the way the eyes that I work, you're just guilty. Yeah, you're just guilty <laughs> as soon as you're born, as soon as we find it. Yeah, yeah, which goes back to Owen. Like, if you haven't, I mean, you haven't done anything wrong, you know, but yet we're going to gentle him. And that, that ultimately led to his death. Do we not? Oh, is there not something there? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, but what? But then the, 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 the tough spot there is what else do you do? Do you, do you yeah. wait until they commit the crime? And is that also a crime in of itself that you knew something bad was going to happen, but yet you did nothing? So it is sort of a tough spot that they're in, um, but it's it's interesting. So there's that, uh, just just a quick thing. And then as you said, Sara is there. Um, you know, she has been sent to work on a farm by Swan uh, so that she can't tell what she saw when she escorted men in because we know that men is undercover um, and that uh, Swan is kind of using her to look around and see the different the different symbols associated with various Aes Sedai or Loghain or whoever, and she doesn't want... So that girl's just punished, Matt, because she brought somebody into the tower. Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> by the way, I hope everyone knows we totally just we totally just teasing. We do, um, we do, we, yeah, we definitely, we definitely like to, uh, we we we, def- we definitely like to tease about. I love. I mean, this, this 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 is crazy. The reason I love the Age of Legends so much is because I love the idea of the Aes Sedai, and I love these this headquarters. To me, it reminds me of like a Jedi temple. And uh, I often get on the Jedi as well, too, just so you know. So in, in Star Wars, I get on Jedi all the time. Uh, for all of their, but I love them at the same time. I love their knowledge and I love all of their cool sorcery and all their magic and their abilities and their libraries full of books and resources. But every once in a while, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta question things. I gotta, I gotta say, Hey, you know, what did this girl do wrong? Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, she's approached by another unknown channeler, um, who she thinks is an Aes Sedai and, uh, she's questioned very harshly about men's arrival and she's basically, you know, uh, she's tortured. Um, Yeah tortured for that information so it's pretty bad yeah um okay well we have 18 uh and then i think we're leaving the last two for extended is that is that correct yeah i'll just do uh two yeah so we'll go at 18 and i'll do a quick little summary on the on the last two there and we'll extend that in our extended extended edition but um yeah chapter 18 so parent is is set up to leave right he is he's going to leave and uh interestingly here remember Perrin was um he helped um uh gall was it gall escape mm-hmm. uh from like earlier he helped and so gall kind of feels like he owes him something and then um bane and chiad want to they're also aiel maidens of the spear who want to go with Perrin. Oh, i'm sorry they accompany fail um but fail is going with Perrin. let's be clear about that um actually uh, let's rephrase it Perrin is going to follow fail she gets so upset that he won't just accept that, like, hey, I have loyal and I'm going, um, so you can just say, hey, can I go with you? And when he won't ask to go with her, um, she basically says, fine, then you can you can just follow me from a distance. You're not with me, um, but you can follow after me. And so she's totally just sort of, uh, you know, having this, um, I don't know, there's this what's going on there. It's complex. I don't have, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, their, their dynamic. Fael's really getting on on parent. She's still upset about uh, the Barrel Lane situation. And, you know, I don't know. She wants Perrin to kind of come to her. But, you know, it's tough because Perrin loves her and, and he has feelings for her. But yet he won't share those because he thinks he is a dead man walking. He thinks mm-hmm. that he, since he's killed some of these white cloaks and he's going to go back and face these white cloaks, that maybe they're terrorizing this his his people because of him. Um, he thinks he's going back to die. And that he doesn't want Fael to see that. He doesn't want her roped into all of this. Um, so he just can't tell her that. And then she wants him 
to say, hey, come with me. I want you to be with me and I want you to be near me. And he can't tell her why he doesn't want to. It's what Robert Jordan does. He puts us in these situations and I, I, I love it right. where it's sort of like, ah, man, we, we know both sides. And so there's that dramatic irony where we're like, oh, my gosh. Come on, Doesn't Perrin know that he's 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 friends and and part of this with Randall Thor, who's who's clearly on a path to just take everything over? I mean, I, the, at, the, as at some point, as as some point, <clears throat> yeah. it's time to put the white cloaks in their place. Hey, uh, I'm not I'm not opposed <laughs> to that. I'm not opposed to that. Uh, I think that's what he's he's going to do. Something he's headed there for sure. Um, yeah, it is like they all kind of slowly start to realize how important they are to rand and like as rand gets more serious about this quest and this and his role in saving the world and being there at the last battle they i they get more serious you can see it in these chapters right here they need answers they want to know what to do they are starting to recognize the connection and the pull between each of them and uh yeah that's it's pretty cool to see them struggle with that but yet at the same time play their role do what they're supposed to do in this fight for the light mm-hmm Ah, yeah. So that's cool. All right, now just a, 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 let me just do a quick little. Um, we're we're gonna talk about the. Um, we're we're gonna kind of do a separate um, extended edition here where we talk about Tenchiko and Wave Dancer leaving Tier. Um, this is from Elaine's point of view. They you kind of just pick up with them at the docks, and and we're gonna learn about where they're going. They're going with the Sea Folk, uh, and they're using. Um, they're using their ship because it's the fastest ship that they can. And they're, they have some special things that they're going to kind of say to them to get on the ship. Moraine has given them advice. Um, they have money. They have what they need to get quickly to Tanchico. Um, but all, their their adventure on the Wave Dancer sets up a whole other arc and a whole other group of people that are really interesting. The Sea Folk are, are, are really cool. Um yeah, and 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 I will say, um, and and we'll talk obviously more about this in extended. But uh, seeing Elaine and because we've had so much of a Gwen and Nynaeve, um, yeah. uh, and getting Elaine and Nynaeve uh, is great because they're like their personalities are really like separate, like like opposite sides of the spectrum, and Gwen's like kind of there in the middle, right? You know, like yeah. Nynaeve's kind of hot headed, Elaine's really passive, Gwen's kind of in the middle, um, and so you know, like uh, like when Elaine and and Nynaeve are like kind of arguing over like how to talk to the to the to the you know to like the, the ferry driver or whatever and you know, yeah and she's yes. kinda, and she like you know she's like you know giving him too much money and like all this stuff and so it's just it's just it's kind of good yeah no it's it's cool it's cool to see their dynamic and to see uh yeah those two get to know each other better and then they're so different they're so different and you had that in between where Gwen was kind of a peace well you know oh Elaine was actually the peacekeeper um but then. Elaine and, uh, or I'm sorry, Nynaeve and Egwene were from the same place. They had this history. Now, these two completely separate upbringings, different, um, one from a royal court and one a wisdom from a small, small village. So, uh, yeah. And, and really, we, we just kind of stay on, um, we learn in Chapter 20, this is where we're kind of going to end it, uh, winds, winds Rising. We learn, again, more about the setting as Wave Dancer, our ship, and uh, we realize that Tom and, and Julian uh, are, are back. Um, Julian Sandar is back. He, uh, it was a guy who helped Matt get into the stone. Uh, he's that thief catcher and he is, he's here with Tom. They've both been convinced that they need to show up and maybe escort Nynaeve and Elaine be with them, be close. And we will talk more about like, you know, 
who it was that that kind of urged them into coming on uh, on on this trip. But that that yeah, that's that's kind of where, where we'll leave that. That's that's cool. The the, the sea folk are interesting, and they have their own lore. They have their own culture that we can explore, and they are masters of of the uh, of the ocean. I mean, they are they can do things that are that are really interesting. We learn uh, about their relationship with the Aes Sedai and we and um, even the Shan Chen and everything that's been kind of going on. Yeah, the, it's interesting. The people like like Bail Doman and those guys who who are on ships and who travel quickly and can move across. They are your sources of information, right? They are traveling down rivers uh, from country to country. They're traders and they they know a lot of the um, the news and stuff. It's back to Pot on Fane who was your your peddler, um, shows up and he has information from other countries. So, you know, we're going to learn a lot on this on this ship. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, as uh, should we go back uh, yes. and do our village council? Uh, I, yeah. I, I, think, I think I caused us to skip that. Um, so let's go back and do that. And um, we're going to be breaking down Angriol, Saw Angriol, and Tear Angriol. Yeah, and I just want to go over this because, as you guys, uh, you know, as, as we saw in this most recent um, batch of chapters in the Shadow Rising, uh, we have a lot. There, there are a lot of these things mentioned. So we have an Angriol, um, which are which is an object which allows those who can channel to draw more of the one power than they normally could without harming themselves. And typically. They are these like little figurines. It would be like if you had like an action figure, think as big as, you know, the size of an mm-hmm. action figure and you hold it or even smaller, a little trinket or something that is um, that's made. And you can, by holding on to that uh, physical touch, whatever, or maybe even channeling into it, through it, whatever you're tapped into, you can pull more of the one power. Um, so we know that Moraine has one at the start of the series. Uh, here's here's a, just a quick description. So while all Angriol uh, offer this benefit, they do not, or they do vary considerably in strength. Uh, the amount of additional power to which they provide access is dependent on both the Angriol's strength and the channeler's own strength in the power. The stronger the channeler, the more power an Angriol provides. So it's it's not like, it, 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 there's two factors, the channeler and even various Angriol. So let's say Matt and I are similar in strength. We're the same strength-wise, but I have an Angriol that gives me more access to the power and it will give me, allow me to channel more. than I, And then you, you have one that is less than mine. Even though we were the same in power, if I have a better Angriol than you do, I can channel more power, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's important. So that's like those objects of power, which I think are really cool. You know, in any video game or any any you know uh, right. fantasy it's like, story, it's like a relic. It's a you yeah. Know, I mean, you know, think of like a crystal or something that just allows you to tap into more of that power. Or right, exactly, exactly. Um, and so I guess yeah. While I have it here, so saw Angriol are like Angriol, but they are much more powerful. Um. All, know, all known Angriol and Saw Angriol can amplify either um, Saidin or Saidar. Uh, none are known to exist that can be used by both uh, a man and a woman. Uh, one Saw Angriol is... Uh, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. got to be careful in what I, what I say don't here. Wanna, so, don't want to go although, too spoiler. Yeah, and I do want to just talk about them because we know what an Angriol is. We've, we've experienced that. 
um, we do know that Kalendor is a saw on Griol. So like, I feel like now I can talk to Matt about that, which is, it's this, I mean, it's, Lanvir tells Rand that he doesn't even do one-tenth of what he could do with it. Like, you could, I mean, he, the, what she implies is that he is a super strong channeler, and that saw on Griol is one of the most powerful. He just got Kalendor the sword, right? I mean, he can channel through that in a way that he doesn't even understand, and there's so much you can do with it. Um, so that's interesting. And I don't even want to talk too much about, uh, Kalendor just because there are some really interesting things with it. Uh, obviously we have a long, we have a long ways to go and it's something, you know, new that Rand has acquired. Um, but it definitely can amplify his, his, his ability, uh, with that. So, and there are other, um, song reels that we will get to. I mean, you guys have to imagine right in this series that we're going to have, we're going to come, come across other ice. Well, we already know. We already know where we are currently, that in the Great Hold down below, you have a whole bunch of Tyr Angrial, possibly uh, Angrial. Um, Saw Angrial are more rare, obviously, if they're that, if they, they've got that extra kind of um, power level. There's not a lot of those. There are way more Angrial, fewer Saw Angrial, and so those are kind of related. Those are both things, objects that you can use, that you can channel, a channeler can use to increase their power uh, increase their access to the power and, and what have you. Now, um, a tier Angrial are objects of the one power that perform specific functions. Um, so the, the tier Angrial do not require the one power to be used for their activation. Uh, in, an example of that is the stone ring that Varen Sedai gives Egwene. So Egwene, that 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 is a, it's it's on a cord and it just kind of it kind of hangs down and it lays on her chest and just by it touching her skin, she then is able to enter the world of dreams. And anyone, you know, that she anyone didn't have to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. She didn't have to channel power into that. It was an object that was made with the power that was made specially uh, as almost like a device that would allow anybody to access it, which is pretty cool. In these most recent chapters, we find that. Matt has actually gone into a twisted redstone door frame, which is called a Tirangrial. He can't channel. We know that Matt can't channel, but yet he could walk into the same door, and it's a door that's power that was power made, as I said, created during the time uh, or, or during the Age of Legends, and he could access the same thing that these other channelers could. Um, so it's connected to the one power made by it, but yet it has nothing to do with amplifying somebody's power. Um, and they're normally, uh, yeah, they're, they're totally different. They can range in size from a, a doorway, as we see here, to a small, well, a, a little bit larger than, than uh, like a small stone ring, you know, that is mm -hmm. not a ring that you would, you would wear. Um, but, yeah, they can be small objects, large objects. So are the, are the portal stones then Terangrel, or are they they're something else? They're something else, yeah. I, I, it's, they, they are totally something else. Um, I don't, you know, that's, a, you know, Matt always asks these great questions. Uh, if I'm wrong on that, someone let me know. But I don't think I am. I think those are just called portal stones. They have their own name, their own function. They seem to be very, very different. Because you did have to channel to use them if you were a non-channeler so, so it could be a song real yeah i it's 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 different Maybe i not. guess it's or it's, uh, well, it could just it still could just be its own thing i think it's just its own thing because but that, that's really interesting right i mean if matt would go over and set down on the stone 
no matter what he did to the stone, I don't think he could activate it or use it. But a channeler, Liza Lanfear and Varen when she was there, and Rand, they realized there were symbols that you had to almost like press with the power and that you had to manipulate and focus on or use the power and then focus on the symbol. And that would take you to a particular realm or world, um, a, a the world of possibility or the world of what if or whatever you want to call that, a, a mere world um, where you could then tra- tie the, the difference in, gosh, they spend one day on the road and it felt like they, it, in the real world, they had gone 10 days worth. They had outpaced Pot on Fane back in um, the Great Hunt. So that was, yeah, that, that's pretty, that's that's an interesting one. I never even thought about putting those two together. This is why I love talking to Matt about this kind of stuff because he, he challenges me and he makes me think about these things. I'm almost positive. They're not even, they're, they're not in the same category at all. Just portal stones are portal stones. Um, and for that simple reason that if it were a tier on Griol, anybody could tap into it and use it. You wouldn't have to be a channeler. And then, as you said, you start thinking about assault on Griol. It doesn't magnify your power. You're not channeling through the portal stone and amplifying your power. It's something separate. Although it seems like it is, it's related to the power in some way. Um, it's something, it's, it's, it's a relic from the age of legends. So yeah, great freaking question. Okay, as uh, I don't think we have any pigeons today. No, um, we do have a few. Um, we, we had some comments over on Patreon again. Thanks to everybody who we've we've recently started to kind of ramp up the. If you go look uh, to our listeners who have been with us since since we started this, uh, re- really appreciate it. Uh, I saw some of you have left your Twitter handles in in on the discussion post. I would love for you guys um, if you're on Twitter um, hashtag Twitter of time. Get on there, enjoy it, have fun. Rafe is on there. Uh, all of the other great uh, Wheel of Time content creators are on there. Uh, I've had a chance to kind of meet some of them and, and talk with them and collaborate a little bit. It's it's really exciting and it's really cool uh, to be on the Dusty Wheel. I still kind of get blown away by that. Like I I love being on there with um uh, with Innkeeper Hatch. That was that was really really freaking cool. And I'm hoping for more of those those times and experiences just because it's such an open welcoming community and it's so vast. There's so much here. And some of these people have been reading this series for just years, just years upon year. This is their go-to. It's what they read over and over and over again. Uh, and and I, I, you know, I, I love it. So uh, if you get on that discussion thread on Patreon, you can leave a comment. If you have a comment or something specific to Matt, Matt doesn't read those. I read those. And so if you want to do something spoiler, just put spoiler. Uh, Heather, Lady Heather often will just put spoiler and do a bunch of returns. And then we'll kind of talk spoiler stuff or send me a message on there. Um, I did just start to chat with Matt's brother. We're gonna have him on for, for a couple mm-hmm. a couple more episodes. I think some spoiler stuff. Uh, we were kind of dancing around spoilers there with Matt last time. And uh, Nicole Whitaker is a little bit Nicole Sedai. She's a little bit further um, than than where Matt is, and so she's someone who's been uh, a friend of our podcast, all of our, our podcasting projects, going way to the very first podcast that we ever started. Uh, so, so she's a, a wonderful friend and she loves this series and she has a really cool, unique, uh, kind of insight on it and, and comes at it from a different perspective. And it's been, been neat, uh, to talk with her. So I'm going to have her on for a few more Patreon exclusive things. And, uh, I'm trying to get a hold of a few of our other patrons, uh, to maybe do some, some discussion there, a non-spoiler and maybe spoiler just kind of, just kind of depends. So, um, yeah, that's a lot of fun. So, so be sure to check that out. Also, go check out the um, the YouTube page. We have completely overhauled that, and I saw. I want to give them a shout out here because let me see here. 
Uh, Scott Bishop, by the way, thank you so much for all of the really, that's a longtime reader of the Wheel of Time series who has, who went to our YouTube page and I've set it up where there's playlists. You can basically just march right through uh, the Eye of the World, The Great Hunt, The Dragon Reborn, and then now Into the Shadow Rising. Uh, upped the clip art on that, made it look really good because I want people to be, you know, when you when the show comes out, um, I want people to, I want people to find, I, I, I think this is like like this journey and this adventure with Matt and just like sharing this. We get off these calls or we, we, we get off this this podcast, we shut her down and then we, We'll start asking Matt. will start asking more questions because he's read a couple of chapters. Uh, just uh, what two or three beyond? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Now I'm about chapter twenty two. Yeah, so we'll talk a little bit more about that, and it's uh, it's just been fun. It's a fun adventure. It's a fun journey, and I hope when people get further in, they'll send us some thoughts. We're we're willing to do standalone episodes where uh, it's it's a response to your guys's uh, you know communication about the first three books. You know, Matt and I feel real comfortable now going back and talking about that first arc and your thoughts so if you're a listener and you got to this point and you're like you know what i'd love to be in on that conversation or i'd love for you guys to kind of go back and touch on something that maybe we missed because we are kind of doing this in parts uh let's do that because I, I think that would be fantastic but again scott thank you so much man because he's gone through and just um he's, he's he's been pointing out some things that like uh we won either he wanted us to touch on more to just his thoughts on on the chapters which is which is pretty cool because when you guys leave your comments and your thoughts, for me, it does it does a lot. And, and I share them with Matt when they're not spoiler, um, I, because you, you touch on something that we didn't touch on. And it just, it helps me to remember the series better, to further ingrain it, because I have a connection with you guys, and I have a, it's it's more memorable, you know what I mean? Versus I just read it. You know, when you, when you read something and then you discuss it with somebody, it sticks uh, and it, it just makes it more memorable, and and that's that's what I want. That's what a book club is is kind of you know all all about, and and that's what uh, I, I love. I love that type of um, community building and relationships and all that good stuff. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, all right, Ez. Um, let's. It is time uh, to say farewell. We want to thank you for answering the call. In our next episode, we will be discussing The Shadow Rising's chapters 20 through 27. Absolutely. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a message at thehornofvalier at gmail.com. We will see you soon, and remember that the grave is no bar to our call. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big